It's Thursday, the 17th of December. Welcome to our afternoon sport deep dive. I'm Tim Gilbert. You can see us on Sky News Weekend Edition, Saturdays and Sundays. Shane Lee, Christmas time. Uh, I tell you what, it's hard to stay away from the buffet. Mate, it is, mate. It's a, it's a lovely time of year. Cricket starts today, mate. The test match. Looks like Joey Burns is going to be open the batting, so I'll be watching that with uh, very close eyes, mate. Tell you what, you brushed over that quickly. I Alaskan did. crab and prawns <laughs> and everything else that gets served up at this time of year. All right, we've got Brad Hodge. We've got Brett Hawke, who's training Cody Simpson uh, and has trained him in the pool to qualify for the Olympic trials. It's a fascinating chat. And Benny Damon will look at all the boxing. We've got plenty to get through. Let's get to it. Okay, well, day one of the test match today. And uh, look, it's a real treat to have former test player. He also works as part of the Channel 7 commentary team. I was watching him last night. He's got the luscious long locks going. Brad Hodge, how are you? Yeah, good, thanks, Tim. Yeah, pretty well. So, Brad, uh, Joey Burns opening the batting today uh, with Matty Wade. What are your thoughts on the whole sort of uh, lead up to the test match? It hasn't been ideal, has it? Not ideal at all. I was hopeful that uh, little Victorian named Will Pukowski be opening the batting at some stage and he fell ill with uh, some concussion. Then Cameron Green had the same fortune with a bowling incident, which was just unheard of. One of them's going to make their test debut, which is great. And uh, the other one, well, unfortunately, he won't. And then all the discussion, I suppose, has been the top and who should open. Uh, and Joe Burns has looked like he's going to get the nod. Uh, not sure about that decision, to be honest. Um, and the reason is, is that the messages that the players get is that it's simple. Go back to Sheffield Shield cricket and make runs. Yep. And we haven't seen a scrap from Joe, unfortunately. He just looks completely out of touch. And uh, But... You know, you get the nod, you get an opportunity, and, and hopefully you can seize it with uh, Matty Wade at the top, which, you know, is another stopgap opener. So, mm. you know, it could, could be a downfall of Australia in exposing Minus and Steve Smith earlier than they want. It's amazing, isn't it, how things can change because it looked so settled. It looked like such a battle a few weeks ago where everyone was fit and healthy and Warner hadn't yet injured himself either. Brad, just on Will Pukowski, he's such a precocious talent uh it's it's been a difficult few years for him but let's just hope that he can just get through these uh, these little things that have been going on of course he had the mental health battle and a few concussions yeah the concussion's the real issue isn't it uh i think it's up to about eight times now so i'm not sure how how serious they are i'm sure every incident's a little bit different but he's a super talent sort of once in a generational player um, and, and one of those guys that you want to get into a test side you know, early on in your 20s so you maybe churn out 80 to 100 tests but it's not looking that way but I'm pretty confident that he'll get his chance um, you know he'll work it out and uh, and you know test I mean test cricket's hard to play right so it just doesn't mm. come to you no, no matter whether you have injuries or whether you're a good player it's, it's never an easy road um, so when he does get there, I'm sure that the pleasure will be far more greater when he does. Hey, um, hey, Brad, um, what about our bowlers? Because you had you know, the three of them haven't done much bowling leading up to the test match either. No, that's a concern. Uh, yep. Probably more so of a concern for Mitchell Stark, I would have thought, who yep. you know, is very much a rhythmic bowler and needs to be in rhythm and sync with his body to be able to execute to perfection. When he does ex- execute to perfection, though, with a pink ball under lights, he's pretty damaging. 
Um, the other two seem to be, you know, fraction more robotic. Um, yep. You know, Cummings is a gun, and Hazelwood's Hazelwood for me is probably the pick. Um, right. Yeah, you know, and the way I judge it is, you look personally, and you think, who wouldn't you want to face? And for me, Josh Hazelwood's very much like that McGrath style, where you just yep. actually don't know where you're going to get a run from. And uh, and of course the goat Nathan Lyon just to complement that, which I think is the big jigsaw piece in in this series. Uh, if if India can overcome uh, Nathan Lyon and score three or four runs and over, then it will expose our bowling unit. As you said, they haven't bowled a lot, folks. So yep. there might not be a, a lot in the tank. You never know. And look, until Keppel Dev hit the scene, we really looked at Indian attacks, particularly their pace attacks, as pop gun attacks. They had a lot of spinners. These days, they've got a very strong bowling attack, don't they? Amazingly strong, yeah. We were talking last night just off air about yeah the skill sets of um, Bumrah and also um, yeah Muhammad Shami in particular. Who, when you first look at him, you don't think much about it, but when you see the ball speed up in the mid one forty fives with a presenting an amazing seam, he's yeah, got yeah. very much a Ryan Harris feel about him and just attacks your stumps and your pads and it's just relentless. And he's got a massive engine. He'll keep going all day. So, and Umash Yadav, uh, who's been selected, he's got another good good ball speed and can swing the ball, you know, around corners. So it's, it's challenging. It's it's actually good to see, you know, with India having a good pace attack because, you know, it presents a good challenge for the Australian batsman on Australian soil. Hodgie, it's a really, really good point because when you're out of form and you're, you're sort of coming in, you're really hoping for a couple of loose balls to get you get you going, you know, um, and we're not going to get that from the Indians, definitely. So, so old uh, Burns, he's got some work to do. Yeah, he has. Unfortunately, uh, I mean, I don't know how you turn it around mentally, you know, Fug. I mean, we've all been in that position, right, in sport mm. where you you know, mentally yourself, you're just thinking, oh, I can't buy a run. No, it's just not working for me. And then, all, and then, you know, when you get selected over the batting for your test country, good luck against the, you know, I think Boomer is the best bowler in, you know, world cricket or close up there. And uh, just a relentless attack. Um, there's nowhere to hide. Now, that's test cricket, right? That's why we love it. So, Mate, how do you think Timmy Gilbert feels, mate? He's been 40 years he's been looking for a run. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't get a run in a stocking. I tell you, particularly when you're talking talking in cricket parlance. Just on the subject of uh, sledging, what was it like between you two? A proud Victorian and a proud New South Welshman, a boy from Warrigal and a boy from some beads Mentone. Did you guys give it to each other? Funnily enough, we didn't actually, and, and I don't know why. Um, <laughs> I, I my relationship with the blue baggers was better than most around the country. And I don't know whether it was just their party sense that I, I gravitated towards, uh, but and and maybe they were too tired to sledge me on the field when they got there. But uh, there was a huge amount of respect from from New South Wales and Victoria when we played. There was some good tussles between Dino, you know, and a few few of the New South Wales legends, but um, not so much Fuggy. Uh, we we just I I just admired the way New South Wales played. You know, I mean, when you come out and you watch the wars play. And, and, you know, Fug and Bevo and some serious talent slats at the top. It's, it's hard to sledge, actually. You're just admiring, to be honest. <laughs> Brad, just Steve Smith. Will he captain Australia again? What, what's your view? Shane says no. Yeah, I don't think so either. Uh, I think um, just my opinion, 
my gut feel is that Tim Payne can keep going for as long as he wants. Yeah. Um, long as his keeping's up to scratch, he's just got the he's got the makings of a fantastic leader uh, in that mould of you know Tubby Taylor, um, Steve Waugh, Ricky Ponting. It just fits that mould where he. Not that Steve doesn't, but he's an encompassing human, you know. Um, and it just—he just sense that he's got a lot of love for all his teammates. Uh, understands what the country needs. Understands got a good relationship with Justin Langer. You know, if, I mean, if he keeps going for another couple of years, then someone always fills the void. Yeah. So who knows? Um, I think time just might just. To run past him. Yeah, Cameron Green looks a good mate. Uh, from an all-rounder's perspective, he's you know he's averaging only forty-seven with a bat in first-class cricket and twenty-one with a ball. He's he's two hundred centimeters tall. Uh, I'm really excited about this kid, and I make hopefully that the Australian selectors look after look after the all-rounders because they can really really chop and change, and it's really tough as an all-rounder. It can become somewhat confusing. So I hope he makes his debut today and he plays really, really well. So it looks good. I think Simo took about 68 games to get a 50 for his country. <laughs> so I think I think when you have a once-in-a-generational player like Simo or like uh, Cameron, you just lock and load, yeah, and just yes, leave him in there and, and, and work with him and give him every opportunity for success. And then you and then you become, you know, Shane Watson or uh, Andrew Flintoff or someone very special in Man Khan. Was him Akram, so you need time. There's no doubt. Yeah, I, look, I, I'm just listening to you uh, call Shane by one of his various nicknames. He's been called Meadow and others. Fug. Uh, look, you've got to be careful in which way you pronounce it. A bit like Henri Leconte, the tennis player. Is, can you give us a bit of can you can you give us a bit of origins of what it is? Well, because he's buck ugly, ugly, <laughs> fugly. That sort of method. That's where it came from. Meadows, Meadow Lee. He's got the new. He's got a couple of new ones. One was called Mango. Yeah. Um, which you wouldn't have heard about. Uh, recently, <laughs> we went on. Uh, we tried to be cricketers again. Um, just last year in a in a cricket tournament over in India, and of course, you know, I mean, you get set your clothing, don't you? In um, in probably traditional sizes you were as a player, and you know, we've all just expanded a fraction. <laughs> and the color of the the color of the um, the the colors that they gave us were not traditional canary yellow. They were no. this off orange yellowish yeah. mango color and, yeah. and the first thing that Benny Lachlan said was look at look at Fuggy looks like a mango <laughs> <laughs> and it just stuck so it just sort of stuck for the uh for the for the time we were there which was pretty cool oh gold oh Brad good to talk to you look all the best with everything with Channel 7 and the family in Melbourne mate uh, always a, a pleasure to chat have a good Christmas yeah nice dude it's good to catch up with you two legends well done coming up he knows all things boxing he called them last night Benny Diamond. Afternoon sport and it's uh, great to have him on the day after the night before because uh, he'd have to have a croaky old voice. Good mate of mine, Benny Damon, called all the boxing for main event. How are you, bud? Yeah, I'm pretty good, uh, boys. Uh, a little bit croaky. Um, that's to be expected. We had eight fights in all and uh, tried to really pump them up towards the end and it wasn't difficult either because uh, a big crowd at Bankwest and uh, that heavyweight contest gave us everything that we expected and probably a little bit more between Paul Gallen and Mark Hunt and then... Tim Zhu was devastating in the uh, main event of the evening and he goes through potentially to a world title fight now. Ben, it's, it's interesting to watch uh, Zhu fight, like clean hitting. Um, you see with all good sportsmen, time. He, he seems to have a lot of time. Um, he's the real deal, isn't he? 
Yeah, you're exactly right. Time's what he has. Time and patience, maturity beyond his years. He's only had 17 fights now. He's 26 years of age, but um, he just picks his shots so well. I was with him afterwards, and uh, he'd been pretty critical of his own performance against Jeff Horn, whereas uh, the rest of us were in awe of what he did. But uh, he said last night, no, that was flawless against Bowen Morgan. So even he was pretty happy with that. Every shot that he threw got through. Um, he chose them so well and when he needed to, he delivered a, a massive left hand that uh, knocked Morgan down and then uh, John Couchy, the referee, allowed him to continue and uh, Tim wasn't having any of it and produced mm. that huge highlight reel right hand. So uh, it was a an extremely uh, polished performance from Tim Zhu who's ready for anything. Benny, uh, the fight with Gallon. Uh I think someone said it was it's his first win on a Wednesday night. He didn't win too many State of Origins. But it was it, it was actually like watching a for me it was like watching a fight at the Stain pub in in Manly. It was uh it was a bit of a slugout, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um the situation sort of unfolded that uh, if you got hit by uh, Mark Hunt you were going to be in strife and uh, Paul Gallen figured that out but still couldn't stay away from it. Uh, he had incredible power still Hunt. Uh, he hit him with some big shots. Rocked him really badly at least twice, maybe three times. And in the second round, he hit him with a couple of shots. And uh, then he stood back and admired his work, looked around the crowd, looked at his corner with his arms out, Hunt. And he should have been absolutely jumping on Gallon and finishing him off there. I think he had the chance. And he certainly regrets that now. He said afterwards, I've got to live with that. I just got beaten by a part-time boxer. But full credit to Paul Gallen. He is such a tough man to take those shots and keep coming forward and keep working like he did. And then to drag Hunt on the inside and punch with good uppercuts and body shots and get through those rounds and do what uh, a lot of people thought he might do uh, in winning that fight on points. It was an outstanding performance from someone who's only recently dedicated themselves full-time to boxing. He is a, a legitimate heavyweight force, Paul Gallen. That was supremely impressive. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, the thinking was that either Hunt gets him out of there or Gallen uh, wins the fight on points. Well, I don't know how you get him out of there if he doesn't go down after those shots. Stayed on his feet throughout, and there was some absolutely massive clean shots from Mark Hunt. I thought it was a, a really good spectacle. Um, Hunt never moved too much and we didn't expect him to, but gee, the power's gone nowhere and Paul Gallen is something else. Yeah, well, it can be interesting to watch Paul Gallen. He sent, he sent a pretty pointed message to Rob Whitaker as well, didn't he? Yeah, that's the fight he wants, Rob Whitaker. So he's dragging them all out of the UFC. I know Whitaker's uh, got uh, an interesting contractual situation with the UFC, but um, it's a fight that would make a lot of sense uh, now. It's uh, a strange one, but, gee, uh, two sort of mainstream stars. Paul Gallen just continues to elevate the uh, the star that he is in Australian sport. And Rob Whitaker is someone who's won a uh, version of the UFC world title. So a lot of interest in seeing him. And he's definitely not past his use by date either. Um, he's someone who's fresh and in the uh, middle and the strength of his career. So Gallen v Whitaker is a very real possibility. Benny, um, you called eight fights last night. Any other highlights from the evening? Yeah, Telford against uh, against Foley. Uh, Ty Telford and Dara Foley, perhaps the fight of the year in Australian boxing. It opened the broadcast at 7 o'clock uh, Australian Eastern Daylight Time. Um, Foley is a, an Irishman, a character, and mm. uh, he's been going at Ty Telford throughout the course of the week. And, 
gee, it was a good fight. Uh, a knockdown to Telford. I probably thought that he did enough to win the fight, but regardless, uh, Foley got the decision. And, gee, it was just an incredible fight between uh, two men who left everything in the ring and really started off the pay-per-view section of the broadcast very, very well. It was um, just a, a phenomenal fight to call. Um, Jeff Fennick in commentary said maybe the fight of the decade. I don't know uh, wow. if it's that good, but, gee, it was an incredible fight. So uh, that was the highlight of the night for me. Benny, great calling last night. Uh, have a great Christmas, buddy, and thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. No, any time at all. Thanks so much. Uh, enjoy your Christmas, fellas. And, yeah, boxing is well and truly back. We've got uh, a really exciting 2021 ahead uh, after all that was achieved in uh, an extremely limited 2020. Next year is going to be something special. Keep the good work, Benny. Great stuff, mate. Coming up, the swimming coach of Cody Simpson, Brett Hawke. Afternoon sport. Well, look, uh, it's a real treat today to talk to one of, well, he is one of the elite swimming coaches of the world these days. He spent a long time at Auburn University, of course, uh, a dual Olympian with Australia, and that's just part of the story. Brett Hawke, how are you? How's it going, mate? Yeah, really well, really well. I think everyone in Australia and a lot of other parts of the world are intrigued by the Cody Simpson story. He's put the microphone down for a while, taken up the goggles and, and not just swimming, but doing it very, very well. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been a fun experience, uh, kind of very unexpected, um, you know, past five months, you know, we kind of went into quarantine and I wasn't really expecting a call from Cody Simpson and, uh, and that's kind of the way it went down and, and we've, we've been kind of putting this thing together, piecing it together over the past five months where we could and, it's just been a fun ride. Tell us about it. Tell us how it all unfolded. I mean, uh, I actually have a podcast called Inside with Brett Hawke, and uh, I talk to a lot of swimmers, you know, basically swimmers, swim coaches, and uh, I just asked him to come on my podcast. I, I had a friend who knew him and uh, asked him if I could have his number and asked him to come on the podcast. He said, uh, you know, I'm not, not real interested in that, but I'm actually looking for a swim coach. Could you recommend someone? And so we just got to talking, and um, it just so happened that I was looking – to move to LA around the same time that he was looking for a swim coach uh, in LA. So uh, it was just one of those blessings, I guess, where we, we were brought together and, um, you know, we just, we started working together about five months ago. So Brett, uh, you're working together. What does, what does that look like? Are you guys being the pool every morning and training every day? Yeah. I mean, it's like anything. If you want to be good at anything at, the, at a high level, you got to, you got to be into it. You got to be all into it. And I kind of just told him up front, these are the things that we'd need to do. We'd need to be working out at least six times a week in the pool to make it work. You know, we've got to do our gym sets and we've got to do our physio and, and all the stuff that goes outside of the pool as well. Um, so we kind of put together a weekly plan for him and I said, is this something you could do? He said, yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. So uh, once I got the buy-in from him, that was it. We're off and running. What have you thought of his application? Oh, mate, incredible. Like, really. If you, if you look at his life story, it's just in, incredible. I mean, he's 23 years old and the things that he's done in his life, you would think that most 30-year-olds uh, would be really happy with it. And certainly you would, you would think, uh, you know, it would take a, a 40, 45-year-old to get the stuff done that he's done in 23 years. It's just uh, when he puts his mind to something, he gets it done. And that's just the way I've noticed with him. He's, uh, he's a really hard worker. He's a genuinely good guy, so I enjoy working with him. But um, when it comes to uh, pushing limits, uh, I guess he's, he's used to that in his life. You know, he's done some remarkable things. 
How come we're only just hearing about this now? It seems like you've done a good job in keeping it quiet. Yeah, we kept we kept it under wraps, you know, in terms of we, we didn't want it to get out necessarily in terms of uh, just, just kickstarting it. You know, it's like, look, we, we've got work to do to get to a certain level before we want people to know that you're doing this, you know. And so we could have we could have said something a little bit earlier, but we, we just didn't have any swim meets, you know, because of the whole situation with uh, the COVID. Uh, there, there hasn't been a lot of swim meets going on. And so it wasn't until last week that a swim meet popped up on the radar we were like oh let's let's go down and have a splash in this and kind of get off the blocks for the first time we've been doing a lot of good work so let's go and test it um and he jumped up and first swim gets gets a qualification for the olympic trials and so it kind of took us all by surprise and and that's kind of where the publicity that's where it all blew up once people heard that it was it was a huge story then yeah, and, and I'm sure it's a global story as well. And it's interesting to have a look at, at what he's done because there are a couple of swims in 25-metre pools where he is under Olympic times. And then there was the swim in the in the butterfly, the 100 butterfly, where the, he did in the 54s, which is under that time as well. So is that the time done in the pool at a particular pool that has given him the validation? Because the 25-metre ones don't count, do they? Yeah, it's just the Olympic size pool we did in the 50 meter pool. And, um, you know, it was the first time he'd swum a hundred butterfly in, in 10 years. He hadn't swum one since he was 13 years old. And so it was kind of a, let's just see how this goes. And that we, uh, look, to, to be honest with you, I knew what the qualification time was. He didn't before he got on the blocks. I actually asked his mother, um, what, what the time was. And she told me it was 56.8. And I thought to myself, 56.8, like he's been training good enough to get that. And so I just went up to him before the race. I said, mate, look, if you just give it a, a fair crack here, you'll, you'll, you'll qualify for the Olympic trials right now. And he's like, oh, you sure? I was like, trust me on this. Just go go for it and have a crack and then we'll see how you go. And the, the time was 56.8 and he ended up swimming 54.9. So he blew it away. And, and um, I didn't think he'd swim that fast, to be honest. I was just surprised that he got under it, uh, but but I think he was uh, equally surprised that you know when he heard the time he he'd blown it away. So will we see Cody in the upcoming Olympic trials? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, we're we're definitely going to be there for sure. Yep, no doubt. It's a great news story and it's great for the sport. It's great for the Australian Olympic movement, if not the world, because it's a story of aspiration. He's right in there, isn't he? 23 at the prime of his life. Yeah, well, that's the thing he uh, he told me. He said, Brett, I've always had this itch to to swim. Uh, it was just something that was that I loved from a, from a young age. But musically, I went in a different direction. I got, uh, you know, he signed a record deal at age 13. People just don't do that, you know. And so he got pulled away from the pool, but it was always something in the back of his mind that he really missed and he, and he knew it look at the age of 23 it was slipping away from him if he was ever going to attempt it so he thought well I'll uh, I'll give it a crack now before I get too old here and and I have regrets and and that's the thing with him he just doesn't want to look back on his life and have regrets and things that he should have tried or should have done and and he has the same fears as all of us. He has the same doubts. Um, you know, he, he's not superhuman, but uh, he doesn't let those fears and doubts get in the way of his hopes and dreams. You know, he, he sees a certain thing for himself and he wants to uh, have a crack at it. And that's, I respect that, you know. So you and Cody only really been training seriously for five months. Surely he's got some serious talent. How far do you think he can go? 
Well, the other part of the story is we're being stuck in a country club pool without any out any flags for backstroke flags, uh, no lane lines, no blocks. He's in a hole with water in it, basically. He's been training in this, uh, you know, country club pool for five months. So, mate, mate, get us in a real pool with real blocks and lane lines and flags and, um, you know, we'll actually be able to do some real training. And so it's that, that part of the story is even more amazing to me is that we've been um, really hamstrung by the quality of the training environment. And for him to be swimming this well um, under those conditions is even more exceptional. And the goal is obviously to be in Japan for the 2020 games in 2021, obviously because of the COVID, it's, it's been pushed back. Yeah, I mean, that's that's every Australian swimmer's goal. That's not our goal. Uh, our goal is to be as fast as we possibly can be this year and just keep building on that. He, he's looking at this as a four-year plan. Um, he's committed to, to four years. Um, you know, he had a conversation with Michael Phelps, and Michael told him, he said, look, you can't do anything in, in under four years, so you've got to commit to that. And so he said, okay, I'll... I'll uh, agree to that. I'll give it four years. And so he's looking, you know, from the age of about 23 to 27 here, and that's kind of a prime, prime athletics for, for anybody, you know? And so Mm. I think that's the the best chance he'll have is to try and make an Olympic team four years from now. But again, um, we're not putting any limits on where we're going with this, you know, but at the same time, we're not, we're not telling people, Oh, this is the, this is the goal right now. It's just, we want to get better every day and see where it takes us. Have you had much feedback from the Australian swimming bodies? Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I, I've had some conversations with Rowan Taylor previously to the, to this swim and told him what we were doing. He was all for it. Very supportive. He's been very supportive, obviously since it's uh, it's a huge deal. Uh, actually, I'm um, just sitting here talking to you right now. I just got a text message from Ian Thorpe. Uh, wow. You know, so like people are really into it, you know, like uh, it's really um, bringing people together and, and um, it's nice. It's a, it's, a, it's a great story, like you said. Yeah, well, Australia should be very proud of him and very proud of you. I, I wonder how you, you fit your time in, four kids, big job, and you're at that Auburn University. Obviously, you studied there yourself, then went back there. For anyone who's got any insight into college sport in America, that is one of the, the pinnacles and, and the competition between that and Alabama, the Crimson Tide, it's just huge. Yeah, mate. I did ten years there. I did my time. It was uh, it was a great experience. Loved it, but uh, but it it was tough. You know, it, it takes everything you got. It takes every moment, every minute of your day, and um, I learned a lot from it. But moved away from that two years ago now, and um, I work full time for a company that does swim clinics uh, around the country. So I've kind of got back to the grassroots of it, but. But on the side, I kind of coached, I coached Cody on the side. So like, that's kind of a side project for me. Um, so it's, it's fun. You know, I'm doing it because I, I love it. I'm passionate about it. And, um, you know, like I said, Cody's one of those athletes you want to work with because he, he's bringing it every day to practice to say, hey, get me better. And that they're the type of people you want to, want to work with. If I'd called you six months ago and I said, oh, Brett, you're going to be coaching Cody Simpson, who's great mates with all the singers of the world. He's got 11.1 million social media followers. Uh, You're going to be coaching him in four weeks' time. Would you have believed me? Well, I would have told you what I told him the first time we spoke. I I said, uh, stick to what you're best at, mate. You know, it's not worth it. So, (laughs) yeah, no, I wouldn't wouldn't have believed you. 
But, uh, you know, I was very skeptical uh, at first. I, I wasn't all in um, straight away. It was it was like, why would you want to do that? It just didn't make any sense to me. But then the more I spoke to him and the more, uh, you know, I, I realized that this is just a kid with a passion. And uh, we're all we all start off like that. It's an amazing story. It's a cracking story, and it's a cracking story of aspiration as well at a time where the world's wobbled on its axis because of COVID, and particularly in the United States where it's just run rampant. Brett, you look, you should be very proud yourself. From an Australian sporting perspective, uh, you're a great ambassador for the for the larger brand, and we wish you and Cody all the very best going forward. Good on you, Brett. Thanks, mate. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. That's it for Afternoon Sport today. We'll be with you Monday to Friday every week. Hit subscribe on your podcast app so you don't miss it. A big thank you goes out to our guest today, Ben Damon, Brett Hawke, and, of course, Brad Hodge. Thanks to our sponsors, O'Brien Beer and Spartan. And, of course, here's to podcast what Muhammad Ali was to boxing. Dan McHugh, our producer, will be back tomorrow afternoon. Can't wait for it, Shano. Mate, looking forward to it, buddy. See you then.